Turn with your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 17. For those that are visiting, glad you're here. Um, uh, we've sat on this course of preaching through Ezekiel because of our late dear brother, Captain Lee House, who uh, asked me for years to preach on Ezekiel. And for years, I said, Lee, I want to preach something else. And, uh, because I wanted to avoid certain chapters like the one that Jay had to read last Sunday night, chapter 16, which speaks so plainly about the condition of ancient Israel, but speak directly to the present condition that we're in. And our text uh, this morning is no different. Speaking of political condi conditions in the Middle East, uh, Almost 3,000 years ago, um, or about, 20, about 2,500 years ago at least, uh, more than that. So give your attention to the Word of God. I'll read the whole chapter. The Word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, propound a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel. Say, Thus says the Lord, a great eagle with great wings and long pinions, rich in plumage of many colors, came to Lebanon and took the top of the cedar. He broke off the topmost of its young twigs and carried it to a land of trade and set it in a city of merchants. Then he took up a seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters. He set it like a willow twig and it sprouted and became a low spreading vine and its branches turned toward him and its roots remained where it stood so it became a vine and produced branches and put out boughs and there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage and behold this vine bent its roots toward him and shot forth its branches toward him from the bed where it was planted that he might water it it had been planted on good soil by abundant waters that it might produce branches and bear fruit and become a noble vine. Say, thus says the Lord, will it thrive? Will he not pull up its roots and cut off its fruit so that it withers, so that all its fresh sprouting leaves wither? It will not take a strong arm or many people to pull it from its roots. Behold, it is planted. Will it thrive? Will it not utterly wither when the east wind strikes it? Wither away on the bed where it sprouted. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Say now to the rebellious house, Do you not know what these things mean? Then tell, tell them, behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and took our king and her princes and brought them to him in Babylon. And he took one of the royal offspring and made a covenant with him putting him under oath, the chief men of the land he had taken away, that the kingdom might, might be humble and not lift itself up and keep his covenant where it might stand. But he rebelled against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt that they might give him horses and a large army. Will he thrive? Can one escape who does such things? Can he break the covenant and yet escape? As I live, declares the Lord God, surely in the place where the king dwells, who made him king, whose oath he despised, and whose covenant with him he broke, in Babylon he shall die. 
Pharaoh with his mighty army and great company will not help him in war. When mounds are cast up and siege walls built to cut off many lives, he despised the oath in breaking the covenant. And behold, he gave his hand and did all these things. He shall not escape. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely it is my oath that he despised and my covenant that he broke. I will turn it upon his head and I will spread my net over him and he shall be taken in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon and enter into judgment with him there for the treachery he has committed against me. And all the pick of his troops shall fall by the sword and the survivors shall be scattered to every wind. And you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and I will set it out. And I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. And on the mountain height of Israel will I plant it that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. And the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and I make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Heavenly Father. This is your infallible and errant word. Father, as blessed as it has been read, blessed as it is expounded and applied, we pray, and make it penetrate the deepest recesses of our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One uh, commentator that I read on this passage in preparation called this a political parable. And I thought, what an appropriate uh, uh, title. Um, some of you here may hate politics, and I totally understand that. But the reality of, of the world we live in is that politics are everywhere. They're in your family. They're in your workplace. They're in whatever organization you are a part of. They're certainly in our uh, governmental realm that we live under. And believe it or not, they are in your church. I had a wise man who was very involved in political things throughout his life to tell me after he attended one of our uh, meetings in our regional body that this that meeting was the most political thing that he had ever seen. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's how life works. What matters is if our politics are grounded and rooted in God's word, in his principles. And that's what we see in our text, and that's how we seek to apply um, this this particular text. Um, at this point, it seems 
that Ezekiel, who is in captivity in Babylon because of the rebellion of Israel, speaking to two audiences, those present in Babylon as well as those uh, uh, back in Jerusalem, he's speaking in something of a code. But it is a code that is rather easy to figure out, even from our, our uh, perspective. You know, it's 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 like um, you, know, it, you know, our analogy would be: there's there's a donkey and there's an elephant, and this is what this means. It's it's that plain to to the reader in in this time when Ezekiel wrote. It's this is a, a red uh, state issue versus a blue state issue. This is, is this is as plain as it gets to the, the ancient audience. This was not this was not some mysterious thing that couldn't be figured out. The the on the surface, as they heard the, the prophecy of Ezekiel, they knew exactly what he meant, even though it seems strange to us. The the parable or the riddle he uses these two words interchangeably the first uh, thing he talks about are two eagles two eagles not not multiple eagles but just two two eagles a cedar and a vine and they, this is the subject of the the um, first part of the text in verses one one through eight it is um, obvious that the first eagle represents Babylon or Nebuchadnezzar. It's equally obvious that the second eagle represents Egypt. And the reason I say it's obvious is because it tells us at the end of the text that that's what they represent. The cedar is obviously Jerusalem or Israel. And so is the vine. The cedar is the temple. In Jerusalem the vine is Israel as we saw last week in chapter 16 the whole the whole chapter 16 is about Israel as a worthless vine rotten on uh, burnt on both ends and ready to be burnt completely this is the the political context that they are living in the Jews at that time even called the temple Lebanon because where did all the wood for the temple come from we read in verse um, first Kings comes from Lebanon plucked from Lebanon planted in the middle of the land is a king a puppet king installed by Babylon and his name is Zedekiah in both the, the books of Ezekiel and Jeremiah are about their prophecy to Jerusalem at that time not to try and rebel against the captivity of Babylon because they would be doomed this was the judgment of God that it was coming no matter what they attempted they were going to fail in trying to free themselves from their bondage. And some of the people listened, were carried into captivity, and some rebelled, and they died. It's as simple as that. So it's a simple 
this, the characters that are in in the parable are rather simple uh, to discern. And so when this cedar is taken and planted, a, a, uh, it's a, if you're a gardener, if you plant trees, if you plant uh, things in your garden, if you like to deal with plants, and I, I kind of dabble in this area, and no, by no means an expert in any way, so we have some master gardeners in this church, so I'm always cautious, but the Bible is full of uh, illustrations from gardening and nature, and this is no exception. When I go and look at a plant, or pick out seeds to plant in the garden, I think, will this grow here? I mean, some things won't grow here. You know, I'm from down in the tropics, and things like lemon trees, and citrus trees will grow. But, but a lot of times, those things, they just, unless you bring them inside, they won't grow. Well, and, and, and that's the question here. This thing that's plucked in the middle of uh, out of out of Lebanon and plucked and planted this this uh, this tree that represents Zedekiah the king. The question is, will it thrive? Will it grow? If you give it the right conditions of abundant water and growth, will it spread? And apparently it did for a while. But sadly, for Zedekiah and the people who followed him, who was not content with his place to be a placeholder, the answer is no. No matter how good the conditions are, if you are in rebellion against God and his plan, which is obedience to him, then you will fail. Again, this message comes constantly from the book of Ezekiel. It is relentless. You cannot build a perfect life apart from God. You will fail, and you will fail miserably. You cannot sit down and calculate to win a war against God. You will fail, you will lose, and you will be devastated. History of man, yet the history of mankind is a history of rebellion against God. From the beginning, the, from the primeval sin of pride and arrogance that decided to go its own way, to the, to the, uh, the sin of uh, the world in rebellion, where there was but one preacher of righteousness named Noah, and a vast flood came and covered all the hills, uh, all the mountains of the world. The, the history, the whole history of the nation of Israel is a history of rebellion. The, the, the Bible tells us in the New Testament how to read the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us the way you read the Old Testament is that these things happen to them as examples for you not to follow. That you not be like them who rebel in the wilderness of whom of Israel, of whom most of them, God was not well pleased. 
but laid them low. This is what the word of the Lord is given to Ezekiel to say about Judah's rebellion. It will lead not to thriving, but to destruction. And you can, you can try it any way you want. You can try to sneak around and do it. You can try to do it openly and brazenly. However you decide to rebel against God, whether it's privately or openly, the same result will come that came to Zedekiah. We read the horrible reality of it at the end of 2 Kings in chapter 25. Zedekiah's rebellion against Babylon and against God's revealed word and his desire for Zedekiah to be a placeholder and to, and to allow the people to be taken into captivity and preserved in Babylon and then one day in God's timing be restored, which he refused to wait on. And so he goes and makes an alliance with the eagle of, of Egypt and then ends up being pinched from both sides, burnt from both sides. And it ends up with Ezekiel drugged to Babylon. His, his first, he had all of his sons killed in his, in his presence. Can you imagine such a horror? And then they put out his eyes. That was the last thing he could see. That is... Demonstrated It's a demonstration of what happens to all who rebel against the living God. The third thing we see is the power of the coming of the king. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar uh, removes Zedekiah in the most graphic and dramatic way, and set him aside, the, the promise is that God will one day bring a king, verse 22, thus says the Lord, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and I will set it out. God is the master gardener. He will break it off from the topmost of his young twigs, a tender one, and he will plant it. He himself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. God, in his power, will overrule the wicked kings of Israel by placing his eternal son, who will become a king from the house and the lineage of David. To be the king who rules not only over Israel and the land, but over all the world. It is a great prophecy of the gospel. This ranks right up with the prophecies in Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah of the coming branch who will uh, be the true successor to the throne of David 
who will take the throne of David beyond anything that humans can possibly comprehend. I, uh, I watch, I'll, I'll confess, I didn't get pulled into the popular culture, although a little bit, because you can't help but read about the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And I was, I was disabused a long time ago as a history minor in college, reading, reading about the kings of England kings and queens of England to think that there was anything really important about their lives that I needed to know other than that despots uh, will, will reign in, in every condition they're able to. But from all accounts, uh, Queen Elizabeth was a godly woman who, who sought to do things right and uh, occupied her office uh, with great, great dignity. And it's amazing that a world that is in complete Rebellion against all kinds of authority uh, would give it so much uh, attention. But if you truly study history, you study the, the history of kings of the world, and particularly if you study the history of the kings of the Bible, you will find that there's not a whole lot to be excited about. Even, even the very best of them, Solomon and David, who the Lord used even to give scriptures through. At the end of their lives, there's not much to commend them. Again, for a reason. Because they will fail. This shoot planted in the midst of, of, of uh, Jerusalem that will grow up will fail miserably. For the same reason... There is a, such a grim assessment of Solomon's life at, at the end of his life. This, this man of wisdom and the man of insight who started so well, who, who glor so gloriously failed at the end of his life and brought about the division of the kingdom. And before him, David, who failed with all of his horrible uh, adultery and deceit and rebellion against God. Even, even when he was a man after God's own heart, even though we, the Lord has us sing his songs every Sunday through the Psalter. Because they are not the one king. The one true king whose name is Jesus. Who came, and unlike these flawed men, who were the other kings, fulfilled everything perfectly. Fulfilled God's law perfectly. He will reign forever. This passage sounds remarkably like the words of Jesus because they are the words of Jesus. You, you realize that. You do realize that whenever you read any one of the inscripturated books of the Bible, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, that you're reading the words of Jesus. Some of you have Bibles that have the words of Jesus in red. You do realize it all, all ought to be read. Because every one of them is the word of Christ. And so it shouldn't surprise us that the incarnate Son of God and King of Kings would use words he has used before 
In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, turn there. Verse 31, Matthew 13, I was looking in chapter 12, no wonder I couldn't find it. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. Hear the language from Ezekiel. He told them the kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is ever expanding. It is ever growing. The birds come and they nest. And all the trees of the field Everything in creation acknowledges that he is the Lord and that he brings every low, brings low the high tree and he makes the high the low tree. He dries up the green tree and he makes the dry tree flourish. Our Lord Jesus came to us meek and lowly and humble. He came preaching the power of the kingdom of God to transform the world not from the might of military strength not from from those who would lord over others their economic power as we see so much in the world he came to demonstrate through humility and service and dying on a tree in the place of sinners. The God of honor and glory will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will never fade away. We're, we're in the midst of a great, like the, the, uh, the popular culture is calling the great reset. I, I think it may be the great sweeping away and, and, and if it is so be it and the truth is that God will break apart and, and, and tear apart every kingdom of the world that opposes him for nearly a thousand years the Roman Empire ruled the world the gospel of grace came into that kingdom that mighty empire and brought it to nothing just over a few hundred years. 
we're seeing the very foundation of our nation shaken as the as the as the principles that founded it are being uh, set aside what should the people of god do the same thing the people of god did in the shaking of ezekiel 17 we should be faithful to god in his word and enjoy the fact that because of him we triumph we will be victorious even in the midst of judgment this is the glorious good news of the gospel to every generation in every circumstance in every place and it is the glorious good news now today your world may be falling apart literally falling apart but if Christ is reigning in your life you are victorious now and you will be victorious with him forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, if anyone here is yet to bow to King Jesus, to humble themselves and repent of their sin and turn away from rebellion, Father, may they submit now to the Lordship of, of King Jesus. And we ask in his name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord now by giving ourselves and our offering to Him with our morning offering.